2: There are things that we expect to see make the leap from Earth to space. Rockets, shuttles, Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster. However, if someone said they expect to see the goalie from Crystal Lake's pickup hockey team reach celestial ascension, you might wonder what they were smoking. You may also wonder what we're smoking when we tell you that Jason X is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades and B movies. And happy Friday the 13th, everyone. You get a special episode drop on this special day. And we're talking about a very special movie because we are talking about Jason in Space. That's probably going to happen a few times during the show because we're talking about Jason X. And here to join me on this most joyous of days is my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. But we freakishly all, fantastic, freakishly
2: fantastic, yes. excellent. Uh, we also have special guests who who we're going to dub the slasher siblings. We have Randy Curry and Kristen Gray, our horror experts. Welcome, guys. First of all, Kristen, how are you doing today?
3: I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited.
2: Excellent. And Randy, how are you doing?
4: Also great. Happy to be here. Excited to uh, talk about this film.
2: Now, before we get into talking about the film, Randy, you are currently in this contest right now that is, um, well, I'm going to let you describe it.
4: Yeah, so um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with the magazine uh, Room Morgue. Uh, it's been a popular uh, paper magazine since the 90s, uh, specializing in like the horror genre and everything kind of b- between that. Um, last year, they had started a contest uh, to name a person the face of horror, which uh, that, what that means exactly, I do not know, but it is something that I am trying to achieve at this point. Uh, the person who wins uh, ends up getting an all-expenses-paid trip to Hollywood uh, to go head-to-head with Kane Hodder uh, for a photo shoot with the magazine. Uh, Kane Hodder, as we know, is uh, the actor who has portrayed Jason Voorhees in four of films across the franchise, um, and his last uh, being Jason X. Uh, so... Really looking forward to it if I can win. And uh, I'm hoping to kind of source out some votes here.
1: Now, can I ask a question? In the photo Absolutely. shoot, will he be wearing the mask?
4: Or so, is it no. unmasked? <laughs> I think it's unmasked. Uh, I think a lot because of uh, like franchising issues. Uh, Friday the 13th is not great with the franchising these days, only because they've been stuck in like developmental hell for God knows how long. Um, So I think he will be maskless, um, but
1: I'm I'm truly hope. (laughs) I'm hopeful that they get up to 13 movies. Like I'm waiting for three more,
2: right? You would think that Friday the 13th has to achieve that level, but I I, I guess the remake kind of throws them off here, but now Kristen, when we approached you about talking about Friday the 13th or at least Jason X in this case, um, you are a horror fan and, and, just just describe us your movie theater room at, at home.
3: Oh, <laughs> so uh, my, uh, my husband and I, Leo, moved out of the city uh, during the pandemic. And uh, one thing that uh, I especially um, always wanted, and Leo didn't know he wanted it until I told him that he wanted it, um, was that uh, we always wanted like a theater room. Um, so we decided, you know, we can't go anywhere. Uh, we most certainly can't go to the movies because of, because of the, the lockdowns at the time. So we decided to kind of construct our own little, little movie theater. Um, so the, the garage at our new home that we had bought was already kind of partially converted. They had it as, as a, I don't know, like a second sitting room kind of thing um so we ripped up all the carpet naturally painted it all black um and uh yeah just horror movie posters and horror everything so we have a great movie theater sits six people um normally only sees randy and i in said (laughs) theater (laughs) um but uh yeah it's great it's great
2: i mean if you're gonna do it up that's the way to do it up and i'm just sitting here looking at carrie saying no no no, we 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 need a theater in our home and
1: i fully agree i'm actually the one reminding you that this is something that we need so so so
2: now the only real question (laughs) is which of the kids do we kick out of the house so we can convert that room into a movie theater
3: Ooh, or go both knock (laughs) down the wall
2: yes and and now you
3: have a really big movie
2: theater. Okay, so 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 the big room gets turned into the movie theater and the second room gets turned into the concession stand. Yes, done. Okay, here we go. Sorry, sorry, kids, you're on your own.
1: I thought you wanted your the library. library.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let, let's get back to Jason X here because we're going to be talking about the 10th installment into the Friday the 13th franchise. But before we do, it is time to take this horror film and
0: trailerize it. The year. 2455, mankind has taken to and explored the far reaches of space, technology has brought humanity to new frontiers, and still, students are horny as hell, dismissive to girls clearly intended to make it to the end of the film, and run away from walking menaces. In space, it's always Friday the 13th. Jason Voorhees returns to hack, slash, and side-eye his way through another batch of disposable, scantily clad idiots in Jason X. The film that just didn't jump the shark. It strapped a booster rocket onto it and blasted off into the ether. In a film that's one-part horror, one part meta humor, and multiple parts of every earthly cliche, you'll wonder how you can ride a rocket straight back to hell. Or, or Manhattan. Or anywhere but here. Jason X. Rated R for Robo Jason.
3: Now, hold on now. Like, Robo Jason. <laughs> Robo Jason. I'm
1: doing but. the math. And when was the first Friday the 13th movie?
4: Oh, God. I believe it was 1980, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think you're right. Yeah. And, and correct
2: me if I'm wrong, Kevin Bacon stars in that very first film. And he was, yes.
4: Yes.
1: And this took place in 2450.
2: So, what? so, so the, okay. So let me explain. So the first part of the film starts in 2008 and then they're cryogenically frozen and then they're just dis- rediscovered in the year 2455.
1: Okay. Cause I'm like, how old is Jason at this point? Like,
4: well, he was a Jason a
1: Ah, Ah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> there
4: is actually a very good reason for that as well, too. Oh,
1: help me uh, out. Okay.
4: Yeah. So they were worried because the everyone was basically very excited about Freddy versus Jason and everyone was kind of amped up to get started on this film, but they were kind of worried that so much time had passed from the last Friday the 13th that maybe audiences wouldn't quite remember Jason, which sounds ridiculous, but... They thought, OK, well, then we need to do something to kind of refresh everybody before we throw out this huge blockbuster that they were hoping was going to be massive, which it was. Um, so they decided, OK, let's let's do something just random. I don't even think they really cared. I think they were considering a uh, a plot with NASCAR at, at one point, um, but they decided to do in space because uh, they needed it to be in the future after the events of Freddy versus Jason and they figured just going into space would be the best way to fast forward the time.
2: And some of the inspiration, of course, for writing this was based on the Aliens movies at the time. So it makes sense kind of what they wanted to do. And if I remember correctly, one of the script ideas, too, was like Jason was in court and he was being tried for the crimes that Freddy Krueger committed or something like that. So there were, you know, which would been a fascinating Fascinating Law and Order series, but done <laughs> <I'm just, laughs> done. <dun. laughs> but it, it, it's no, we get we get space. We get to go to space but let's talk about who is in this film the, mo- the movie stars kane hoder lexa doig david cronenberg yes i said david cronenberg jonathan yes, potts lisa Ryder, chuck campbell melissa aid peter mensa melody johnson krista angus and Phil- philip williams however there is an almost starring in this film The movie was actually filmed in Toronto. And when they were filming up here, Betsy Palmer, who was the original Pamela Voorhees, was also filming in Toronto as well. And they met up with her because they wanted her to do a cameo in the film. But they just couldn't reach an agreement at the time. So
4: we almost had the return of Jason's mother, which would have been really, really cool. Yeah, it's really unfortunate she couldn't uh, make it work out because that would have been really neat to see her come back. The film was directed by James Isaac, who also directed Skinwalkers.
2: But when you take a look at his filmography, that's not the thing that stands out. What stands out is that he was on the Creature Crew for Star Wars Return of the Jedi and Gremlins. So this guy has been around quite a bit and worked on some really good projects and worked on a number of projects with David Cronenberg. Now we know why he's actually in this film. And it was written by Victor Miller and Todd Farmer. Todd Farmer, of course, who played Dallas in the movie. This film, however, is actually on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Wow. yeah, that's that's an accolade you don't really want to put up on the on the wall here. However, That being said, at the 2002 Saturn Awards, Lexa Doig was actually nominated for Cinescape Genre Face of the Future Award for her work on this and Andromeda, which was also being filmed around that time, Um, but she lost to Jolene Blaylock for Star Trek Enterprise. Now, at the 2002 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, this film was given a dishonorable mention, uh, so were many others, but it it didn't hit the top five. But it was nominated for worst sequel that year. It lost to Analyze That, which I, I don't disagree. Analyze That was not the best sequel. When it comes to Randy, you mentioned Blockbuster, and I had a little chuckle when you said that. This <laughs> film had a budget of eleven million dollars. Domestically, it only made thirteen million, and worldwide, it only made seventeen million. When it debuted on the April 26th weekend, which, before we get into where it finished, can can we just talk about this for a second here? How the hell do you not release a Friday the 13th movie either on Halloween weekend or on a Friday the 13th weekend?
4: It seems like a missed opportunity for sure.
2: Right? That's like putting a nightmare on Elm Street on Valentine's Day. Don't do that. (laughs)
4: I mean,
3: that sounds like a lovely date night, but I guess I understand where you're coming from.
2: Well, that that may be the litmus test for date nights, right? <laughs> if you take the date to Jason X and she stays, she's a keeper. If it's the only date, well, at least you know early enough, right? Mm-hmm. For, for Carrie and I, that would be, of course, be Repo the Genetic Opera, right? Watch this movie yes. with us and you are our people. But when it <laughs> debuted on that weekend, it debuted at number three with $6.6 million. The number one film that weekend was The Scorpion King in its second week with $18 million. Changing Lanes was number two in its third week. Murder by Numbers in its second week was number four, but also debuting that weekend in number five, was Life or something like it with Angelina Jolie? So, Jason X is the highest-grossing debut that weekend. So, it's it's something.
4: It it's definitely something, and it, I mean, it made I think like triple the cost of production and DVD and plus post, post theater sales, uh, which technically makes it one of the most successful films, which is hilarious. Well, I think that's the thing when you when you take a look at a horror franchise
2: like this the box office is not going to be the driving factor in the success. Like, you know, those late Friday the 13th slasher films, they're going to be driven by um, TV replay rights and uh, pay, pay TV uh, and and DVD sales. And I'm sorry, VHS sales. Had have to remember what year we were in. VHS was actually still a thing.
5: <laughs> Ooh.
2: But the reason why we are here, not just because it's Friday the 13th, and not just because we have, sorry, we're going to call you the slasher siblings. It works out well. I love that. Right?
3: I'm, I'm here for that.
2: Now we, now you guys just need merch. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
3: We're, we're on it.
2: <laughs> is the critic score. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 25. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is also 25%. The Tomatometer, 19%. But I want to put this into perspective, okay, because you can't really take a look at this and, you know, put it up against other, you know, movies in the theater at the time. So I took a look at the Friday the 13th franchise, okay, as far as critic scores over on Rotten Tomatoes. This is the second lowest audience score of the entire franchise. Jason goes to hell. So that's, you know, episode 9 has the lowest at 24%. So just a smidge lower. But when it comes to the critic scores, the Tomatometers, of all 12 Friday the 13th related films, that includes the remake in 2009 and of course Freddy versus Jason. This has the uh, the fifth lowest Tomatometer. This one of course has a 19% Tomatometer. Part 5, A New Beginning, has an 18% tomatometer. Jason Goes to Hell, it comes in at 16%. Jason Takes Manhattan... Is at eleven percent, which I can only assume is a Sex in the City kind of spinoff.
1: Oh, come on, now,
2: right? <laughs> that
1: it's it's that better than my... it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's my movie, though. But I don't know. That
3: sounds pretty good.
2: <laughs> if we can, <laughs> right? if, if we can have Sex in the City and 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 Jason Takes Manhattan mashup, that needs to happen. Someone out there mm. right now is going to like make a YouTube video and make that exist. But yeah. the lowest scoring Friday the Thirteenth movie is Part Three with a 7% tomatometer. Now, Kristen, obviously you have gone through all of the Friday the 13th movies. Is part 3 the worst one out there?
3: I I don't know if there is a worst one out there. They're all so good. They all you. <laughs> They all have, you know, uh qualities and scenes and that just make them all good. And I mean, I guess who's, who gets to say what's good? Who gets to say what's bad?
4: Yeah. I, haters going to hate.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Oh, Okay. But, so, but if, if you had a gun to your head or machete in this case, and you had to throw one DVD from the Friday, the 13th collection in the trash, which one are you throwing out?
3: I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. And I don't know, maybe we're going to edit all of this out. Um, Jason X.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay, Randy, same question to you. If you're throwing one Friday the 13th movie in the trash, which one is it?
4: I feel like I have to go with the 2009 remake. Okay. Even, 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 and I'm going to say this only because I just love... 80s horror and I just the nostalgia of those all of those movies even the the bad ones are just they exist in a time that just were great I don't know and I just feel like the new one even though it had some bigger names and obviously the quality was better and they really did give it their best shot to kind of reinvigorate the franchise but it just didn't it didn't feel like part of it for me
2: all right, well, let's get into the breakdown here and figure out why this is the film that Kristen would actually throw out. Um, yeah, yeah can... we're going to have words
4: after this.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry, because I think it's one of Randy's favorites. Oh, I, I literally,
4: I... this is the only Friday the 13th film that I had a poster of in my room in high school. <laughs> I can see now, we're going to finish the show and they're going to start hacking and slashing each other. I get it now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> The slasher siblings are no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, one is no more. I can see it. Now. That's going to that's
2: gonna be the merch. It's going to be like cartoon characters of each other, just like stabbing each other with various items. So uh, yeah, that sounds fun. Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's get into yeah. the breakdown here. We're going to start with Lexa Doig, who, of course, played Rowan. Uh, Randy, we're going to start with you here. How was Lexa Doig for you?
4: I thought pretty okay. I mean
3: owning your voice to change.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? She 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 gave it her best shot. I, I wasn't upset about her performance, but it, it's not living rent free in my head. Carrie Lexa Doig.
1: You know what? I thought she played it well. Like I, it it was enjoyable to watch each one of the characters. Um, I think like all of the main characters that made it towards the end it, it's almost kind of like in any given any one of the movies you kind of know halfway through who's going to make it to the end of the movie and who's just not and I mean aside from the rules you know you have sex you do drugs or you go out for a walk you die aside <laughs> from that right um and also don't run because as fast as fast as you go he, he's gonna catch up you know, yeah, he will trip
2: you. on something. Yes,
1: <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, I think they played it well. Like, it was, it was. I, I mean, you know, how exactly are you supposed to do uh, an Oscar-winning performance in a horror movie when you you just know that bad things are going to
3: happen, right? Like, oh, Perry. Carrie, 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 <laughs> you put Randy and I in a horror film and we will give you Oscar winning performances.
4: It's true. I,
1: I want to see that. Let's <laughs> let's make that happen. And I still am holding out. I want three more. Like I don't I'm not counting Freddie and Jason. I'm not counting. Mm.
2: I would count Freddie versus Jason.
1: Um, But would you count, though, the remake?
2: Oh, no, heck no. Okay. We don't, it's not time travel here. We're not stepping back in time. Although that being said, Jason goes to the medieval ages. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, make it so then. Make it so. I, I'd, I'd buy
3: tickets. I'd go see it in the theater. I'd support.
2: <laughs> All right, Kristen. Lexa Doeg, how was she for you?
3: I liked her. Um, I thought she was a good amount of funny. Um And not irritating, Mm, which I I find is, is, um, a a low bar, a high bar for me. (laughs) Not, I'm not, I guess it depends how you gauge it. I irritate easily. (laughs) Um, so I, I enjoyed her. I thought, I thought she did, I thought she did well. She wasn't my favorite, but she was not, um, my most disliked either.
2: I think the thing I liked about Lexa Dog is that, you know, before the cryo freeze, and by the way, uh, this film is over 20 years old, so you haven't seen it by now. uh, Shame on you. Um, But the thing is, in 2008, before she gets stabbed and frozen, um, she knows what she's doing in that environment. That's familiar to her. It's not like... In 2455, she all of a sudden has all the answers on how they're going to survive. She is just as scared as everyone else. And all she knows is that this guy will kill you no matter what. It's not like she's Mary suing her way through everything. She doesn't all of a sudden know how to work all the spaceship stuff. Like that, I think that part was actually smart writing and having her confident enough to know that she has to get away. And at least brave enough to try and get save as many people as possible. It's not like she instantly became like the Black Widow and started trying to beat Jason herself. She just knew she had to get off the ship and survive. So in that sense, it works as well. Plus, she's the final girl, right? You're not looking for someone to be slutty or trashy or, you know, get up to shenanigans. You know, she's she's the pure one. She's the one that is going to survive. And I think, Carrie, you said it best. It's very predictable,
1: well, I instantly wanted to know her backstory. I wanted to know just how, because she was the most um, aware of Jason and the past murders. Um, so I, I really kind of wanted to know, like, where her knowledge was stemming from. Like, um, I, I'm, I'm clear that she wasn't a victim or personal, personally attacked by him, but. Mm-hmm. Um, But, I mean, did she know somebody? Like, what is her why for um, being so knowledgeable and investigating um, this mass murderer, serial killer? Well,
2: you you have to think that because they're at the Crystal Lake research facility, Mm -hmm. um, they are very aware of what Jason has done over the years.
1: But she was so passionate, though. Like, again, for her to have been so involved and it was almost kind of like you got the the vibe that she spent her entire career sure she made a career out of trying to end him so i wanted to kind of know i, I why. don't i don't
2: think it's that she made a career of trying to end him i think it's just that she knows what he's capable of which is why she doesn't want these these you know People trying to transport him because she, she can read the writing on the wall. Because, well, there have been nine movies before that. Um, she read the scripts, I guess. Um, let's move on to Lisa Ryder, who played KM14. Kristen, we're going to start with you. How was Lisa Ryder?
3: Loved, loved, loved. <laughs> she was so good. Uh, that, that like shoot 'em up scene, she was just, just pure gold. Just like female power i was just cheering for her and she was really good i loved her in uh in this
2: i also find it funny that both her and lexa doig had to wrap up production as fast as possible because they also had to go film andromeda after this which was also filming uh if i remember correctly
4: i think they filmed that in toronto as well uh randy uh lisa Ryder, for you favorite literally my favorite she was everything I needed her to be, and I don't know. I don't know what it was about the way she just took that character and just made it so believe. Because when you're trying to act like a robot, you know, there's such a fine line that you have to find between be borp and oh, I'm you know from the year twenty four fifty five. So I don't know. I just feel like she took it. She rode with it. I enjoyed. I wish she was in it more. I, I just. I would watch another movie with just her head somewhere.
2: (laughs) As I'm watching this, I'm sitting there thinking, and of course, you know, around the time this came out, I'm sitting there thinking, well, if Data had a sassy sister, it would probably be KM-14. She kind of had that vibe to her and similar to Data, you know, wanted to kind of explore humanity. Of course, in this film, it's like, well, well. So other people have nipples and large breasts. I should have large breasts because that's apparently what androids think about in the future. But yeah. but but you're right. Like the one thing about KM is that this is the character that forces the movie to straddle the line between slasher and meta humor um, because it is so fun because it is so almost knowingly campy, but but celebratory in its campiness. And I think that's what differentiates Jason X the most is that prior to this, they were slashers in the woods with the occasional, you know, day trip to Manhattan and, you know, hell. (laughs) Um, But this is the one film that, that puts a lot more humor into it, which I think kind of changes the tonality of what to expect when you're going into it. If you go into this, Not thinking of this as a Friday the 13th film, but thinking of it as, you know, not exactly like a Saturday the 14th kind of just straight (laughs) spoof of it, but knowingly laughing with the franchise. But I think she straddled that line well. Carrie, how was KM 14 for you?
1: Okay, so of all of the characters, as soon as she was introduced, I called it. I'm like, she's making it to the end. Maybe her entire body didn't make it, but <laughs> you just knew, A, that especially that scene where she like grabbed the big bazooka shooter, whatever. Um, like you just knew she was the one that was gonna go like head- to head <laughs> sorry about the pun but she was gonna <laughs> she she was going to um, be the one you know to to stand up to Jason because well she could because you know she's a robot so of all of them like of all of the characters it was again it was predictable I was able to call it like very quickly as soon as you know her character was introduced but you know what as far as acting, Like, absolutely. And I love that you had mentioned Data because it's almost kind of like, yes, she learned about human interactions with the people that she was surrounded with. And that's what just made it so genuinely innocent. And I don't know, it was I mean, it was so cool by the end of the movie to just see her, you know, kind of take control of the situation. She's like, I got this. <laughs>
2: like, and, the, and the thing too is that when you think about these films, there's traditionally a lot of just gratuitous, salacious TNA. But I think the part where she's, you know, questioning uh, Sunarin about her, the the nipples, right? It's clearly like a, like a fake chest plate kind of thing. So it, it almost is. It's much more innocent than you would expect out of, you know, your typical exploitative slasher film. I, I felt that this was almost tastefully
4: done. And I can't believe I'm saying that about Jason in space, but here we are. No, I, I agree. Be- I don't think I ever genuinely felt sympathy for someone with no nipples before. <laughs> like she, she just really, she really wanted them. And I really wanted her to have them because she wanted them. And it just, it was such a quick scene, but I was like, it's, it leaves an impression. And I'm, I'm still thinking about it now. I'm just trying to
2: picture what a like an odd couple, perfect strangers type of sitcom with data and KM living in living together and trying to you know discover humanity. I I want that sitcom. Yeah, I'd watch it. (laughs) So, dear Lisa Ryder, dear Brent Spiner, and whoever is willing to throw money at this sitcom idea, a you're welcome because people will absolutely watch it. But that that is the that's the crossover we need. We need the data and KM buddy sitcom show oh people are gonna to listen to this show and go they really are they're smoking crack aren't they <laughs> there's, there's some, there's i some, was gonna wait till after the show but right there, there's some special <laughs> they've got up, up there in canada and they're on it right now um let's talk about uh sooner on however it's pronounced there as played by chuck campbell one of the other people who made it to the end carrie how was he for you this is the guy of course that 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 helped km and protected her head and yeah the keeper of the head
1: yeah you know um, I mean he was okay he was there like there was really nothing nothing special that his character added Um, but I will say as a blanket statement though and I just have to say like yes we're defending this movie it's not that bad it really isn't I loved that there was actually a storyline Like, I mean, not that there's not storylines in the other nine plus movies, but it was, it was different. And like you were saying, it was funny. Like, it was almost kind of like, okay, here's, here's a very out there concept, you know, very far in the future. They are regenerating basically deceased bodies and they can um repair damages i.e. you know an arm that's kind of taken off um and and they make it well not believable but <laughs> they they make it enjoyable to watch it's it's almost like oh this is no big deal someone's lost an arm let's just you know put it right back on mm. and they'll be playing um what was that vr type interactive game yeah. in no time um you know what? I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all of the characters and what they brought and I kind of think that they had the perfect number of um of players introduced. Mm-hmm. And I think he was he was he was necessary, you know, everyone kind of brought their own thing. Um yeah, I don't know. You kind of, again, predictability, right? You saw that he was going to make it to the end.
2: Yeah. I mean, yes, Lexa Doig is, is going to be the final girl. You knew that right away. Yes, KM mostly made it to the end as, as a final girl. So, yes, there's that. And the thing is that there's a formula to these things. You know, making it to the end is going to be one of the guys and one of the girls and they may or may not be romantically interested in each other by the end of the film. I think in this case with sooner on more interested in KM than he is in, in Rowan is good as far as, you know, making something different. But as I'm watching this film and, and, and Randy and, and, and Kristen, you guys are going to probably chime in on what I'm about to say here, but most of the men in this film felt a tad ineffectual, if you will, it's, most slasher films kind of walk that that line between um female exploitation and female empowerment at the same time um but this one aside from uh sergeant brodsky who of course had his big self-sacrifice moment most of the dudes in this film you could have done without kristen
3: yeah yeah, I, I think I think that's I think that's fair. Uh I, I will say though that um uh the keeper of the head, uh I liked him. Uh he actually reminded me of uh Randy, the character from Scream. I don't know why he gave me that like okay, vibe, but he, he reminded me of, of um Randy from Scream and I liked him, but you're right, all of the all of the men I could have done without. (laughs) Um, which maybe speaks to the times these days, but um I guess that's another topic. So yeah, I I mean they were they were I think like Carrie said, they were there.
4: They were there, yeah.
3: (laughs) They were there.
2: (laughs) Randy, how was how was Chuck Campbell for you?
4: Uh, yeah, you know, I liked him too. I did find his character endearing. Um, I kind of, I liked his uh, developing relationship with, with KM. I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, laying a lot of groundwork for life-size sex dolls these days, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was the point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, aside from him and uh, like you said, the army guy, I don't remember his name off the bat, but yeah. Um, yeah, they were pretty much just meat bags there for the slaughter, I think. Just there there was no real character development or any real purpose for them to be there and the ones that were supposed to be serving purposes like flying the the spaceship and whoever that other guy had, was tinkering with technology in the basement, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what any of them were doing except for um guy, so, yeah. <laughs>
2: but I I think the thing though is that Chuck Campbell played him in a very innocent kind of way, and I think that played yeah. well against Lisa Ryder's K.M. Like it would it you understand because her character is so so delightful. I think is the best way to say K. You know talk about K.M. Like she's inquisitive. She is you know not necessarily enlightened, but she's definitely you know lighter in spirit, and I think that meshed well with with how chuck campbell played sooner on um it kind of felt like if this was can't hardly wait in space like this this is he would be the guy that pines for jennifer love hewitt but um it, it, it's not bad and it fits the formula that he makes it to the end but it, it, a tad ineffectual aside from the you know the carer for and keeper of km uh we mentioned sergeant brodsky it's played by peter mensa this is the guy that the soldier that almost almost made it to the end credits uh randy how was sergeant brodsky
4: love thought he did a great job um fulfilled the head of the army guy role very well for me i i liked a few of his one-liners i think when he gets uh impaled that one time he's like oh it's gonna take more than one impale to get rid of this old dog or whatever he says and then he gets his second impalement and he's like yep that'll do it <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy that part right i i think the thing though is
2: that sergeant Brotsky was written better after the impalement than before the impalement because after the impalement that's where he almost kind of takes on the 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 hero role in this case where you know he's here to do whatever it takes to save the kids and before it was more um raw raw we may as well have been watching doom and that was you know before that moment it did it felt like Dwayne Johnson in Doom, but afterwards it became a bit more heroic. Kristen, uh, Peter Mensa for you.
3: Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, one of my notes was was that I liked him in the latter half of uh, of the movie. Um, it, it just more personable, I guess, um, and not just that like like you like the generic buff army guy.
5: Yeah,
2: he's not just G.I. Joe in this. Carrie, how mm-hmm. was Sergeant Brodsky for you?
1: Again, I completely agree. I loved the humor. Um and and the turnaround, right? So he wasn't just cold and all business and and very
2: um um yeah,
5: <laughs> That's yeah. Probably the best very, way to say Hoo-ah. Very, <laughs> very um
1: Yeah, very strict or stern. Um yeah. Anyway, um, again you know he 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 tried he wanted to protect everyone and he kind of died in the line of of duty so
2: i think it was good that he was injured as well midway through the film because it was a chance for us to be reminded about what the nanites are there for of course that's you know how we get you know well we'll we'll get to that a little bit later but i think you needed that moment to to remind the audience that they had the nanites and they could heal you know certain body parts here but oh more on the nanites a little bit later here Mm -hmm. um Christy Angus, who played Adrian, the blonde at the beginning of the film, who had her face frozen in what I can only assume is um, nitroglycerin or whatever it is, and then smashed to frozen little pieces. Um, Kristen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I thought she was gonna make it further into the film, so I was surprised that she was Jason's first space victim. Uh, how was she for you?
3: I completely agree. Uh, I thought. I I liked her like I thought she was great she was gonna be like the I thought maybe even the final girl right um and uh yeah it was it was a bit of a a bit of a bummer uh the only thing that I guess kind of redeeming that was that it was a a a pretty decent kill um it was uh gory and I enjoyed the kill but yeah I was sad that that So soon. She was Mm. gone so
2: soon. Carrie, how was she for you?
1: You
3: know, I kind of really
1: loved how shocking it was that she was the first kill, at least in space. (laughs) It was like, oh my God. Like, again, I literally, as soon as you saw her, she was smart. She was funny. You thought for sure, oh, and she didn't go off to have sex. So you you thought for sure she's going to make it to the end. I, I really thought she was going to be the one to save everybody. But no, um, she died quickly and horrifically. Um, that was, yeah, it was, it was actually kind of like, I, I think of all of the kills, that was the one that I reacted the most. I was like, Oh, oh <laughs> what did they do? Why?
2: And, and, She's played, I think, in a way that she's supposedly, I guess, at that teacher level as as Professor Lowe as well, because they're talking about the kids. They're talking about the ones that they're supposed to be kind of in charge of on this whatever, space school, I guess, this kind of thing. It's not really ever explained much past that. But, but Randy, how was Christy Angus for you?
4: Uh, great. Again, I have to agree with everybody. I originally expected her to last a lot longer. I kind of expected some type of like old science with Rowan meets new science with Adrian and they come together across their 400 years and figure out some way women power to stop him. So it was very surprising for me that she did die so soon. However, her murder is super iconic and I don't think anyone who has seen this film can think of a kill that they like more than Adrian's.
5: Um, I can
2: uh, yeah, I, I was about to say, just, I,
4: I, I can too, but I'm really yeah. glad, I'm glad that you pointed
2: we'll that save out it. though. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it.
4: <laughs> but of I, a main character. Let me say that. Yeah. Of a main okay. character.
2: <laughs> I, but you you did point out something that, that needed to be said about Christy Angus. And again, I thought she did really well in the role. Um, I, I We all agree, think that, that she felt like she was going to last longer. But this is where Jason X kind of took advantage of the setting, right? Much like... Jason, you know, takes Manhattan. All of a sudden you put him in a completely different realm and you have to find new ways of for Jason to kill people. And the Friday the 13th films, and you can say the same thing about the Halloween films. You can say the same thing about the Nightmare on Elm Street films or Hellraiser or, or whatever um, serial killer franchise you want to bring up is that you have to find new ways to off your victims. And the more creative they are, the better they are. And almost like in in having like a ranking system of, you know, how they died and did they die well? I feel like a Klingon when I say that. She died well.
1: Can I just say, though, I loved when he found the new machete. Mm. The one, I guess it was one of the operating tools with the little holes in them. I don't know what they were for, but he found himself a new machete. Murder weapon. And I thought that was kind of cool.
2: I, I had Paul Hogan's voice in my head going, That's a knife. That's a knife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now we need Jason in Australia. That'll be the 11th film. And then Jason in Medieval Times in Friday the 13th, part 12. Again, writers, start jotting these ideas down. They're yours. Okay. um Jonathan Potts, who played Professor Lowe, the. Um, I guess man in charge on the spaceship plus
4: lover of having
2: his nipples tweaked. Uh, Randy, how was Professor Lowe for you?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can just see the scene, the nipple twisting. Uh, this was a very nipple centric movie, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I, I hated him. I hated every part. I don't, I don't know why he didn't necessarily do anything specifically to make me hate him. But I don't, I, I just didn't. I didn't like him. I didn't like the character. I didn't like how he was written. I didn't really understand why he was there. He didn't act like a professor. I didn't really get that dynamic with the other students. I, I mean, other than the nipple twisting, but.
2: The, this film has efficient nipples. Yes, it does. Um, I, I think the thing though is with Jonathan Botts is that you're not supposed to like professor lowe you're, you're not. He's his entire motive is to sell Jason for money, which instantly makes him a bad guy and instantly makes him uh, a target for future death. And I think it's one of those things where if you're not supposed to like the guy and you don't like the guy, then the actor understood the assignment and did it to perfection. Kristen, uh, Professor Lowe for you.
3: Ugh, gross. Uh, just, yeah, not a fan. Um, just instant, like... And again I don't know if maybe this is this is kind of a, a sign of of the current times versus you know um uh, back when the movie was done uh but just that like instant gross male in some sort of professional power and you're just like ugh no thank you next and <laughs> so no I didn't um I did not care for him um I think that is my reason why I did not care for him. Uh, and then I think like you guys said too he didn't he didn't he didn't play that like professor role. He didn't he didn't have like a professor look whatever that means I guess. Um no. No, no, thank you. No, yeah. thank you.
2: It made it Adrian made sense as far as someone in charge. And of course, the, almost like the good teacher who's like, no, no, I get it. You two are horny. Go, go do what you're going to do and do it away from mm-hmm. me kind of thing. That, that made sense. But yes, Professor Lowe felt more like the administrator than an actual professor. And I think that's where the sleaze factor comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. Carrie, I know when we watched this film together and that, that, you know, the titty twister moment came in, you're like, what the f- am I watching?
1: <laughs> you know, you said it, absolutely perfectly exactly what i was thinking that i saw him more as like a weasley kind of he's the money man Mm. like he would do anything for a buck and um that's exactly how i saw him and i actually applauded his death
2: since Mm. we're talking about that scene let's talk about janessa played by melissa aid um aside from that, like there's a lot of sass to this character. And I mean, you knew she wasn't going to make it to the end because the, you know, the horror movie rules, you you have sex, you die. Um, but the fact that there's, there's a lot of, you know, she's not necessarily for lack of a better term, a slut in this. She's just manipulating the professor in order to be able to get what she wants. Um, but how was, and Kristen, we're going to go to you on this one. Melissa ate for you.
3: Ooh. You might have to cut this part as well. Uh, so uh, I see what you're saying, I guess, about, you know, her manipulating the the professor. And I think I saw it more why the professor gave me such an ick because it was it was him in his position using his power to manipulate her. Right. And mm-hmm. to to just weaselly yucky yuck. Uh, not a fan of him but we've moved on from that um so uh she i i found her genuinely funny um like i i find a and we we talked about this prior as well uh that there was a lot of humor in the movie and not like campy make fun of humor i, I, I were genuine funny moments in the movie, uh, and I found I found her to be funny in that role, uh, and not funny cringy. Like mm. not, you know. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed her character a lot.
2: She felt like she knew how to deliver the comedic lines well, and yes, I, I think it is very much a thing where Janessa knew the buttons to push. On Professor Lowe she knew how to manipulate mm-hmm. his weaknesses so it's not like he's necessarily a sleaze he's just a weak man and she's manipulating him um, which makes him kind of even worse but mm. you know it, it's, it's it you're right it is kind of a gross kind of reality but Janessa is one of those ones where you're happy she made it as far as she did because aside from that moment she was actually genuinely fun uh Randy how mm-hmm. was Janessa?
4: Yeah, I have to agree. I, I thought she was a fun character. Um, obviously, yes, we knew she was eventually going to die, but um, I'm glad that she did actually make it as long as she did. Uh, I did find the reason I liked her character so much is I think it was just so perfectly 2001. Like it, Just her clothes, and even though it's in the year 2455, but it just it takes me back to that, like her hair and her clothes and just everything felt very early 2000s for me I don't know and maybe that's why I liked her so much but I don't know I, li- I liked her I don't have a whole lot to say on uh, Janessa but I-, I did enjoy her performance I, I will say her look wouldn't have felt out of place on a show
2: like Firefly like I, 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 I yeah. could see it I could easily see it Carrie how was Janessa for you
1: Oh no, I'm almost afraid to to answer because of all of the characters, I found that she annoyed me the most.
2: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I almost kind of like, you know, I mean, I was, I was waiting. I was waiting for her demise, I hate to admit, but um, I'm actually surprised it didn't happen sooner, and I'm trying to figure out, I mean, obviously, listening to the feedback, there was clearly something that I missed personally, because again, I... I was kind of rooting for her end and I didn't find her to be funny. I found her to be annoying in that it was almost kind of like, okay, when is, when is, she was the expendable one, right? I'm like, okay, when, when, when is, when is she gone?
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I, I think it was maybe the fact that it was, and it wasn't her, it wasn't the actress's. um, portrayal or or performance that bothered me. It was legitimately the character. I think putting any actress in that role, it's almost kind of like, okay, you just want to see that character gone. Mm-hmm. Um again, you know, you break the rules and it's inevitable. Jason's going. Now I have to ask, what is it with Jason in his brain in his programming that he can sense people having sex even in space like and they they can be like what I don't know 10 rooms down and he he just that's what makes him come alive I, I, what? oh my like, god
3: that that scene where that like echoey moan just all of a sudden revives him it's <laughs> so good right it's so like, like it's Yeah, it's that classic, you know, 80s look, there's boobs, and now all of a sudden the killer is near, you know? Um, (laughs) I I find that scene hilarious, and I love it, and it's actually one of my notes that I'm looking at is... (laughs) Just make sure you talk about this revival of this. See, you know. but I
1: I loved I loved that. So it was almost kind of like, okay, even in space, the rules are still the rules. And it mm. was this entire movie was so funny and absolutely on point perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, to stay true to the rules and and my only question is, when someone goes off walking in the woods, you know they're going to die. But in space, where do you go? It was almost <laughs> kind of like, I was waiting for this one character. I forget her name. Sorry, who were we talking about?
2: Oh, you think Kinsa.
1: Yeah, the one we're talking about, Kinsa. I wanted no, no, to it was
2: Janessa was what we we're talking about, but yes.
1: Okay. The one that I wanted to see gone, I wanted to see her, you know, because she was just so emotional. And she was just like almost uh, like emotional baggage like you just <laughs>
2: No, I think you're you're thinking of Kinsa and and I I get it the two do actually look very similar kind of thing uh and of course at the moment where Janessa is doing the whole Titty Twister thing on the professor Janessa, uh, Kinsa is also having sex in her room at the same time those those are the two that 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 got pushed out of the, the room by Adrian but yeah you, there's one of the things too is that more often than not with the slasher films it's it's a smaller group and you have enough time to explore the stereotypes that they are you know you have usually have the cheerleader type you've got the brainy type you've got the jock type you've got the nerd type and you can almost nail them down to the stereotypes but i think that's one of the things that this film is missing is those stereotypes don't really seem to necessarily exist in 2455 as much as they are more easily identifiable in present day Camp Crystal Lake. Um but yes, the the whole sex radar thing for Jason, it's almost like he's a superhero going, Hark, I can hear the moans of a horny teenager. I must go stop this now. <laughs> Jason Voorhees, the ultimate hall monitor. But since you mentioned Kinsa, uh, as played by Melody Johnson, um I, I need to point this out because we were kind of half joking about good acting in a in a slasher film, but there's the moment where Kins is in the escape shuttle and it's still connected to the fuel line, and she's so broken and can't open can't bring herself to open the door to let everyone else in, and basically by not disconnecting the fuel line, she creates her own demise. That moment, I actually did find to be. Good acting. So, Kristen uh, Melody Johnson as Kinsa for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I didn't. I found her. I found her annoying. I, she irritated me. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. Um, and you know, I I, I find my, I found myself in that in that scene where she's in the, um,
2: the, in the escape skate pod
3: ship. <laughs> um, almost like yelling at the TV, right? Like, come on, just push the button. Like, stop being dramatic. Stop your crying. Get your together. Um, I found her annoying. (laughs) I did.
2: I'm just trying to picture you yelling at your TV. (laughs) Come on, nut up and save everybody, damn it. (laughs) It happens more than you know. (laughs) Gary, how was Kinza for you?
3: Okay, so now
1: that I'm clear on, I I think I literally like merged the two um, characters. But um, yeah, again, I I stand behind, this was actually the character that annoyed me. And it was like, okay, you're going to die, but if you don't do this, everybody's going to die. So their death is on your hands. So, you know, like. Yeah, uh, again, annoying.
2: <laughs> Randy, do we have justice for Kinsa on your
4: end? Negative. <laughs> uh, I found Kinsa extremely irritating. Uh, I will give you the fact that that scene in in the pod, um, I, I did think that she did an okay job with it because I, I was irritated by how emotional she was, but I was believing the emotion in a way. it just it was very irritating to me. Um, so I think she did do a good job with it but I am also disappointed that her irritating emotional self just killed herself and kind of took that away from Jason because I was really looking forward to her dying. <laughs> but not that so way.
2: rude. Uh. I,
4: guess, I guess. Sorry, Kinsa, but like, I'm coming for you. <laughs>
2: It's one of those things where you, where you look at the, the cast of a horror film and you're like, you're gonna die, you're gonna die, you're gonna die horrifically. <laughs> you might make it, and I'm okay if you live. If you live, I'm bad. Um, it's almost like you you have to like place bets at the beginning of the film without knowing who's actually going to make it to the end or not. Um,
1: but that would make a great drinking game, wouldn't it?
2: Oh my god, yes. It or would. or like some like you know horror movie draft.
1: Yeah, like the Deadpool.
2: Yes. Of horror movies. Literally a Deadpool. Now, we have already mentioned a number of times the rules, if you will. And these rules come from actually the Freddy versus Jason DVD commentary. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to that, it's it's phenomenal. And Robert Englund goes on this wonderful tirade. Um, it's like, no, no, you broke the rules. You drink, you die. You do drugs, you die. You smoke, you die. You're mean to the final girl, you die. And yeah, he's not wrong but someone who felt like they broke the rules when it comes to drugs is as real as played by docs, Tiefen Baker or Tiefenbach. Bach. Again, I apologize if I mess up any names, idiot basement in a mic with a microphone. I am. Um, but as the guy who loses his arm, then loses his life. Kristen, how was he for you?
3: Um, you know what? I actually forgot about him until you just mentioned him. Now um, he was fun. I liked him. I think he has, he has a very unique look to him. Um, And although I did say that I forgot about him until you just brought him up. um, He was the most uh, distinctive male character. Uh, I think, you know, we kind of touched on it before. Uh, I found most, if not all of the uh, male characters, i i don't really remember like i couldn't give you a name i i couldn't like they were very interchangeable i found and and they were there <laughs>
2: <laughs> thanks for coming out male characters randy yeah, sorry
4: <laughs> <laughs> randy how
2: was azriel for you
4: uh, again yeah i liked him um was not up in the top of like my my favorites, I guess, but uh, I did enjoy him and I, I really enjoyed his death. I thought that that backbreaking was super fun.
2: Right. Carrie, how was our Skivvy Stoner for you?
4: Oh my God.
1: I don't want to say too, too much, but I absolutely loved him and I wanted to see him be the, I wanted to see him overcome the rules. I wanted to see him want to be one of the last, um, Yeah. You know what? Uh, He was, he was so much fun. He was funny. And yeah, I, I, I I guess I was saddened when he died,
4: officially died. I feel like he had the potential too, to kind of get with KM as well. I would have believed that.
2: Mm. And again, if this is the rom-com, this might be the the role that Seth Green would play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to picture that now, and sadly, I can almost picture it, yes. Um, One of the things that people feel kind of spoiled the movie was that the reveal of, quote-unquote, Uber Jason was spoiled by the fact that he's on the damn poster like that. Um, So, Randy, first of all, the Uber Jason transformation from the Nanites, how was that moment, and did you feel almost... That, like you had that moment taken from you because it's in the poster.
4: Um no, I'm going to say no, only because it was exciting. You know, we're at the time we were going into the 10th film and uh, Jason has had, you know, varying looks and his mask has changed a little bit here and there. But this was like, oh, this is Jason in space. And he's like, what? He's half robot. How the hell did that happen? I was so into it and I wanted to like see the movie more because of that little tease, because it was something that was so different that they hadn't done before. So to me, it was intriguing. I didn't really feel like it, it spoiled anything for me. And, and you're
2: the one who had the poster on his wall, so that... that, that I made... did.
4: <laughs>
2: Kristen, do, do you feel like it kind of, you know, put the cart before the horse?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's such a... It was such a big reveal moment, you know, and, and to kind of already know what was coming um, maybe a a little anticlimactic. Um, and, and that was, that was definitely going to be my answer was that I felt that, uh, it, it did spoil a little bit, but then hearing, hearing what, what Randy had said, um, I kind of get that too now. Like it it almost gave you that little like nugget of, Ooh, okay. How is this going to go? And created that, that, Intrigue and and anticipation.
2: Now, Carrie, you yourself have uh, fond memories of watching Friday the Thirteenth movies when you were younger. I am going to get you to tell that story. Oh uh, my god! Yes,
1: as I was um, mentioning earlier, off uh, off record. Um, actually, no, at the beginning, um, Friday the Thirteenth, Jason in Manhattan is that was my introduction to the Friday the 13th movies. That was my movie. That's the one that I remember the most. Anytime that I'm every Friday the 13th, I'm going back and watching that one. And reason being, I remember um <laughs> we <laughs> we had just got a Nintendo. And it was when the little side scroller, you know, Friday the 13th, Nintendo game came out. So my friends and I stayed up all night playing this Nintendo game and hacking and slashing and Jason would ch- like jump scare and just jump out. Um, and, you know, not to mention watching that movie, but um, because I had my friends over, I think doing the math, I was 10. I actually thought that I was older, but no, uh, 10. We went downstairs in my basement where the pop was kept in the fridge. And, you know, it's like midnight, maybe two o'clock in the morning, and like six, you know, 10 year old girls going downstairs, sneaking downstairs. When we flipped on the light in the basement, I guess my mom had done laundry and not thinking, but she washed a pair of my dad's overalls and hung them up. In front of the light. Amazing. So we flipped on the light, and all we see is this like empty pair of literally like mechanics overalls just hanging from the rafters in my basement. And of course, Jason was, you know, fresh on our minds because we were playing this Nintendo game. And needless to say, at like two o'clock in the morning, my parents were awoken by six screaming like blood curdling, screaming girls running upstairs. We never got our pop that day. But uh (laughs) it was it was quite, you know, um scarring, I would say. I I still definitely, um, you know, when doing laundry would probably never hang uh (laughs) overalls, especially in front of a light with shadows, right? Like picture it, like Oh, I don't know what are my you parents able to drink thinking.
4: pop now without PTSD or
1: <laughs> yeah but I can't get it from the basement not at two in, <laughs> in the morning um, <laughs> so yeah it was it was just a fun little memory <laughs> yeah I'll be calling my therapist <laughs> thanks for that thanks for bringing that back up Um <laughs>
2: It's not so much a movie podcast, but it's more like a therapy session at this point. (laughs) Right,
1: right. But since we are talking about Jason, I have to say that, A, I absolutely loved his upgrade, if you will. (laughs) I loved seeing that he was like half robot and half whatever Jason is made up of. And we had this conversation earlier, how... Is it that he keeps coming back? Like, what is he made of? Mm -hmm. Like, really? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know.
2: I'm I'm glad you said that because one of the, I I think one of the smart parts of the script, and yes, I'm saying smart part of a Friday the 13th script here, but bear with me on this, is the reason why they still have Jason and the reason why uh, David Cronenberg and his soon-to-be-dead minions were trying to take him away was that the the concept that Jason is still alive is that his cells regenerate like there's no tomorrow and he seemingly can't die because he has this, this cellular regeneration. It actually makes sense how he has lasted so long. And I think there's a lot of smart in the script, despite some of the dumb that happens in the film. But Randy, I'm going to put this to you first. Is there anything that makes this movie
4: stand out from the others? I, I literally have to agree. I was going to just talk about the same thing with the nanotechnology. And I loved Cronenberg in the, in the beginning talking about them wanting to take Jason to figure out why he can regenerate this lost or damaged or missing Issue. Um, and I, I thought that was so smart because then it was like, okay, yeah, well, we all know that Jason can do this himself. So let's have him in this facility overseen by um, her. Shoot, I forget her name now already. Oh, Rowan. Um, Rowan, thank you. Uh, and, you know, she's got everything on lock and they're good to go. And then, of course, the military and the government come in and say, oh, no, well, we want to study him and then just completely botch it. So I did think that it was actually a really good like full circle moment when it was like, we know Jason can regenerate. He's in space. It's 400 years in the future. So of course they're going to have nanotechnology. And of course, if Jason were to actually succumb to life-threatening in his sphere... By uh, KM, who just obliterated him. It only made sense to me that, of course, he was going to fall on the nanobot technology. And of course, it was going to make him into a half robot. Like, I was so excited about that. And the the writing was really smart. And yes, we are saying that about Jason X. Because it's true. They really did bring that full circle for me.
1: Can I just say, though, I am so disappointed that he was blown to bits. Because I would have preferred to see him, like be ejected from the ship and just kind of floating out there into space. And I wanted, I so want another movie that I would have loved to have seen him like, I don't know, land, I don't know, somewhere in the future, but on land and see what the future looks like.
2: Well, that's where he, you know, it's not really revealed if he necessarily burned up in the atmosphere in their descent to earth too, after the explosion of the shuttle. Um, They left it with every possibility that maybe, because we don't see a body, he might still be alive, but...
1: Well, there were many bits of body, but it's all metallic now, so...
2: Very interesting. Kristen, is there anything about this film that makes this movie stand out amongst the rest of the franchise?
3: I I think... I mean, I think just the obvious, right? It, It was very somehow... Friday the 13th meets Clueless meets Star Trek. Um, there were so many different um, elements of this uh, and it did have much more of a, a detailed storyline and you know things that, <laughs> to maybe somebody that doesn't understand science to that level, things that made sense, right? You're like, well, well, of course that's what would happen. He'd fall on the table. Things would get put back together. And now he's robo Jason. Um, (laughs) So I I think, yeah, I mean, it, it it was very different from the others while still holding true to some of the original stuff, like the, like the, um, the rules. And when they, they put him back in the, like the camp crystal Lake setting, um, I don't know if you noticed the the T-shirt. Um, I'm so bad with names. I should have had like a, a cast list beside me. Um, the the gentleman that had his arm cut off then put it back as real. Yep. Yes, yes. Uh, he had a, a like a jersey on in the in the film, and it had 13 on the back. Um, so yeah, like they they brought in those those classic pieces. Um, but then it was it was still very different from your your standard in the woods killing teenagers. And I think
4: that's that's really interesting too, because this was the first of the franchise to rely on digital effects for like death and gore shots. And it was really smart of them, I think, to to use the space and the future aspect of the film to kind of dip their toe in that water and see how it would work for future films maybe uh because i find that that part stood out for me as well as that you know you just usually you've got jason and he's in the woods and he's got a machete and he's gonna kill you but here it was like they they were able to to be so much more elaborate with with the kills and the creativity that way because they could use some of that digital effect i guess now randy you had mentioned of
2: course that the um the the cryo freezing Adrian uh, having her face smash into a bunch of frozen bits was your favorite kill. Before we get to this next section, I want to point out that the Itch Rock Radio podcast chimed in on social media with the gif of jason smashing the digital virtual cheer or campers into the tree it's like i will never not laugh at this so kristen since you mentioned that there was a kill that you held higher than adrian's is this the kill that made the film for you
3: oh the the him smashing those sleeping bags together just so good <laughs> so good so funny um you know they they put these these two attractive young women um in and they you know like in there we love
4: premarital sex (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) you want to smoke some pot like it was so like just perfect and they take their tops off and you know the guys behind the scenes are like oh yeah like this will totally get them and jason is like nah not for me, ladies. And they beat them together in their sleeping bags, dying the best.
2: People are having sex. I must stop it.
3: It's so good.
2: Carrie, favorite kill in the film?
1: In this film? Yeah. Oh. Whoa. Um. You know, I was not prepared for this question, so I'm going to agree with both of our guests, I, I I, think the sleeping bag was, I laughed out loud. <laughs> and then I literally like gasped when um, the professor got her face smashed because I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. I literally was like, oh, she can't die.
2: Especially so early. She yeah. needs to
1: make it to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's the smart one. Well, why are you killing her? But um, yeah, and not only that, but she damn well brought him back to life. Like he could have been a little bit more grateful, I right?
2: think. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> the the only plot hole that really stands out to me, and, and just hear bear with me on this one here. And it relates to that kill, to, to Adrian's kill, is that Jason is not from the future. He doesn't yes, he was frozen, but you know, we're not quite sure. Um if he knows how the cryo process works. So Randy, I'm going to put this one to you. How the hell does Jason know to put her head in
4: this you know, sink full of cryo juice? That's a wonderful question. And if I'm interpreting Jason's motivations here, I think that he probably just thought it was water and was like, oh, great, I, I'm just going to drown her. But then was pleasantly surprised when her face froze and then he could just smash it. It's like, Ooh, new toy, new fun. new Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Neat.
2: Right. Okay. So
1: I, I think it's because he was frozen and he kind of maybe associated his last memory. Uh, what? 500 years before.
5: 400
2: and some odd. Yeah. 440. Not great at
1: math, but, uh, I can only count to 13
5: Right (laughs) or 10.
1: (laughs) I can only count to 10 X. Um, but you know what, I, 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 think, I think maybe it was beautifully ironic that that was what... Now, first of all, you would think that they would have had, I mean, aside from the nanotechnology, that they would have, like, far more superior um, ways of cryogenically freezing.
2: Well, no, because they cryogenically froze in 2008, and then he was thawed out 440 some odd years later.
1: Right, but she still had a sink full of the...
2: In the future, yes. Yeah, Yeah. But, so, so they, they, they've they gone a little bit further than that. But but it is. It, it's one slight little plot hole, but one I'm willing to overlook for the gloriousness of the kill. But now it is time. So I'm going to go around the horn here. And Kara, I'm going to start with you.
1: Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Okay. I'm excited. Who
2: is your MVP of Jason X?
1: I absolutely loved Azrael. I loved, loved, loved that character. I wanted to see him make it to the end. I wanted so much to see him survive because I really wanted this movie to like stick it to the rules. And he was, um, I mean, he played the fun loving stoner, if you will. We're not quite sure. So I don't want to like, you know, I don't know, profile him or anything, but I wanted to see him make it to the end and be like the smart one. You know what I mean? Like the one that kind of was wise enough to be able to survive. The, I don't know. The, I, I like, really liked him. Like
2: Jason Mewes in space? Which is kind of what he feels <laughs> yeah, like. You know
1: what? <laughs> yes. Um, but again, I, I really, I I wanted to see that like, kind of like a you to the rules, right? I wanted so badly to see it, but it didn't happen. So then, you know. KM made it. Okay. Well, that was the one I was calling.
2: Kristen, who is your MVP of Jason X?
3: I think for sure it's it's got to go to Lisa Ryder who, who played KM. Uh, she had just so many elements of awesome. You know, she was, she was the, the female empowerment character. She was the, you know, kick ass and don't, uh, you don't need that, that, night and shining armor right to save you um she had it taken care of uh she was sweet that nipple scene I just I loved um I just I remember watching it and being like Ugh, more useless breasts really <laughs> right like pointless to the movie but it's it's a horror Jason movie so obviously they have to be there and then when the nipple slid off it was like Okay, I love that. That was perfect. So, yeah, for me, Lisa as as KM.
2: All right, Randy, who's your MVP?
4: Yeah, no surprise, I think, but I agree 100% with Kristen. KM was the movie for me. Um, I could have just watched her fight Jason for the entire 90 minutes. Um, and if anyone's listening, make that movie because I'll watch it. Um yeah, she was great. She just had everything. She was funny. She was empowered. She was just everything you want in a character. And to me, the, the movie would not have even made 17%, I don't think, if it wasn't for her. But she uh, she was everything for me in that film.
2: I feel like since we've had three MVPs that I, I should pick somebody else. Because everyone seems to like Lisa Ryder, but I can't. We have to have the quadfecta on this one here. I don't know if this character works in any other horror film except for this one. Um, obviously, because you're not gonna have androids in Hell or Manhattan, but I, I think this is this is the the character that puts this into almost like meta slasher because it is so fun, because it knows it's in space and it knows like the the history of the whole in space kind of trope that you know you've kind of jumped the shark at this point so if you're going to do it do it with a smile knowing exactly what the assignment is and that kind of makes it a bit more fun and just not your average run-of-the-mill camp crystal like you know outing from hell um that's what makes this one I, i think in all honesty, one of the most fun Friday the 13th films because you had something different, because you had something that knew exactly what it was and because it reveled in it. Randy, Kristen, Gary, thank you all so much for joining in on this special Friday the 13th episode of It's Not That Bad. Randy, before we go, please, once again, let
4: us know about this contest and let us know where people can go and vote for you. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, uh, Rue Morgue magazine uh, was established as a print magazine focused on horror and genre entertainment in 1997, if you can believe that. And last year they started a contest to name one horror enthusiast the title of Face of Horror, win $13,000 and hit the hills of Hollywood to go head to head in a photo shoot with Kane Hodder to be featured in the magazine, which is so cool. Uh, So this year I am competing and I'm hoping for all of your support. Uh, You can cast one free vote a day by following the link in my bio. Uh, You also have the option of purchasing votes, uh, and some of those proceeds will go to support the B Plus Foundation, uh, which provides financial assistance to families, fund childhood cancer research, bring awareness to the fight against childhood cancer, and spread positivity. So it's a great cause, and I encourage everybody to check it out and randy uh just please send me those links we're going to put those
2: links on this episode page on our website and not that bad cast so if you didn't catch all of that you can go to our website and make sure you find all of those links so you can vote for randy and help out where you can guys thank you so much and to you our listeners thank you now You guys know the drill. If there's a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there's no way in space that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on social media at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out our Coming Soon page as well as our other shows. Keep watch past. There can only be one and grading on a curve. Until next time. Slash your siblings. Thank you. Carrie, you're lovely. Listeners, yeah, you guys are lovely too. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care.